Welcome to Hashtag Jazz, the family-friendly Grow a f***ing pair Podcast exclusively about Utah jazz basketball I hate this history class From two of the most Emotionally unstable Guys in the business And now, here are your hosts Jason Walker and Trey Sanders Hello everybody and welcome back after way too long to be perfectly honest to Hashtag Jazz. Uh, my name is Jason Walker and joining me of course as always for the last two seasons is Trey Sanders. Trey, how you been doing? Um, pretty good. I'm doing busy things and excited to have basketball, the only sport that matters, back. Yeah, I, I think I think both of us have been doing, have been very very busy both through the summer. I was, I was surprisingly busy over the summer. I was trying to work like five jobs. I think it you was literally cut, five like, jobs. Two of those out. <laughs> uh, I think I technically I kind of have. I got laid off of one. Uh, yeah, this, like so when I say five jobs, it sounds worse than it actually was, because uh, they amounted to like a slightly busier full time job. Like I think I did the math and it was like. Somewhere between forty-five and fifty hours on a, you know, average week. Holy cow! So, you know, it's basically a full-time job, yeah. accumulated through about five or six different um, areas. But I made some pretty decent money, so it was nice. There but let's uh, let, let's talk about a couple of people who are now back on the job, uh, or at least I don't know, fifteen or twenty or however many people on the job for the Utah Jazz. Uh, what, what number would that be? That was a terrible know. transition. I was going to say, you went from a couple to like 12. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a bit rusty, but the Jazz are also a bit rusty, so uh, we can talk about that. Because the, the preseason has, is wrapped up. They've played all their games. The Jazz went 1-4, which you're never really concerned about the record in preseason. You're concerned about how the players look, how the players perform. It's very much individual player based, and it's that way with pretty much any preseason. I mean, mm-hmm. you you don't really you're not watching for the final score. You're watching to see, you know, all different things. It's an evaluation period, and that's how the coaches treat it in a lot of ways, and that's how fans really should treat it. Is an evaluation for individual players, and in some respects, how how players play together, but it's kind of hard there because the minutes are so truncated and things like that. You're not getting a lot of minutes. Like your starters don't get a ton of minutes together. So it's just, you know, again, it's, it's trying to evaluate individual players and I guess coaches maybe try new things. Uh, yeah. There absolutely. Are a bunch of centers that shot three pointers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, wasn't it? I don't remember, but I just yeah, the Gobert shooting that seventeen footer jumper in the last preseason game. I was just like, yeah, go for it, man. <laughs> this is the yeah. last one you're gonna get. <laughs> yeah, he but, gets a few of them every year. Yeah, he does, yeah. and it's always surprising. But I mean, to again, it's not his job. But yeah, I am. Um, I've had to tell numerous people. Most of them are like you know, kind of fringe jazz fans where they're just like well what's going on with the preseason i'm like you guys don't freak out too much about this like quinn snyder's just doing this to see what he, what he's got what he can work with what needs to improve what's working what habits are good what habits are bad all that stuff and, and people overreacting i will say with the defense which i'm sure we'll get into it, it was a little bit disconcerting yes yeah, so that that is one of the things that's disconcerting so let's, let's start with that i mean what 
when we were talking about all these acquisitions, because there was just so much turnover with this team, that was probably one of the main concerns for people who were more in favor of bringing some of the old people back, which surprisingly enough, there were plenty of people who wanted to run this, run the the last year's team back, you know, with Ricky Rubio and uh, Derek Favors and all that. They wanted to hang mm-hmm. on to them because there, there was definitely some safety in that. It was a proven commodity. And so one of the unknowns was how would the Jazz play on defense? You know, there's, there were going to be plenty of unknowns. One of them was, can they maintain the same level of defense that, you know, a Derek Favors can provide and that they were they managed to have with Jay Crowder and all the versatility they had? The answer so far appears to be no. But it is the preseason, so Trey, I'm curious your thoughts here. Do you think that this bad defense is a sign of things to come or a period of working through that eventually will, you know, Calm down. We'll get back to really good jazz defense. Uh, it's back to it's back to good defense. I mean, let's be honest. We are much much smaller than we were last uh, the last two seasons. Much smaller. Um, we don't have the physical bodies like we used to with Jay Crowder and Derek Favors anymore. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's something that we should panic about. It it is disconcerting because, um, you know, watching it and comparing it to the way it was the past two seasons, like we had you know, the elite of the elite defenses in the NBA. We're not going to come close to that this year, I don't think, but we're still going to be somewhere within, I would say, even the top 10 defenses. And that's not a bad thing, because if you look at the way the offense has been improved, I mean, let's be honest, the offense in this day and age in the NBA is all that really matters. You have to have that defense to cover it up. But um, some of the things I've been reading, too, is just like, you know, Mike Conley, uh, Boyan, um who else? I'm missing some other people here. But these guys have been taught to play a certain kind of defense for so long. Mike Conley, number one. He's had to play 12 years in Memphis where it was a different kind of defensive style. Now it's, if you blow your assignment, Rudy's going to be there. You get to the next guy to cover up you know, that, that open lane or whatever you want to call it. So these guys have to kind of break those habits and come back to and get back into this mold that Snyder has. So yeah, it's just gonna be—it's a work in progress. I just hope that we don't have the uh, waiting till January thing that we've had to do the past two past two seasons to get there. But the fact—the fact of the matter is, these guys are intelligent. They'll figure it out. Yeah, I really do think that you know the the system with Quinn Snyder is big because when you look at you know what we had the last few years, we talk about continuity. Some of that was there. A lot of that was there, I think, with the defense, because you mentioned, you know, the, the style when you play with Rudy Gobert, it changes how you play defense. And Ricky Rubio and I think Joe Ingles especially, or at least those two, are two guys who really benefited from that, because on their own, they're not really spectacular defenders if they were kind of put on an island. And there's probably other guys like Donovan Mitchell, and you could probably go down the line of guys who aren't spectacular defenders, but because they play so well within the system, it makes them really good defenders on the Utah Jazz. Mm-hmm. and, you know, Mike Conley and Boyan and all these guys are going to have to have to learn that because, you know, again, maybe playing the old style, it's, it's not gelling with the system right now because it ends up creating holes and teams are able to exploit that. Yeah, well, and we've also, like, you know, from the get-go, even when, you know, Ricky came over here, since, let's just go back to when Quinn Snyder came in and instilled his system. It is a more complicated system, but when that system is is working well and everyone is on the same page and they have those habits instilled in them, uh, it's a thing of beauty. But 
it's also something that, you know, and I'll, we'll get to this too with Boyan. He's thinking way too much. He's worried about the spacing. He's worried about where he's supposed to be on offense or during a play or on defense, where he's supposed to be. And Boyan, he hasn't been all that great of a defender in the first place. So, you know, it's a, it's a giant learning curve for anybody that comes into his system. Yeah, so one thing, looking at some of the stats as far as the defense. Now, when you mentioned the offense, uh, the offense in the preseason was ranked fourth in, in points per 100 possessions. Mm-hmm. On defense, they're ranked 31st, which you say 31st, that's including foreign teams. So uh, we'll see which one was ranked ahead of them. The New Zealand Breakers were, <laughs> did better. Of course, I thought it was probably, what, uh, two games they played? Mm. Yeah, the New Zealand Breakers. So, of the NBA teams, the Jazz ranked last. Yep. In uh, in defense, so that's that's never a good thing. Granted, again, there's a lot of you know, there's garbage time. There's players who are never going to see the floor in the regular season, or at least not see more than like 30 minutes in the entire 82 games. So it's it's a little harder to judge there because you're going to shorten the rotation to like nine or ten people during the the regular season at least nine or ten major people so it will be interesting to see how the main guys play defense um particularly i think boyan and mike conley because they're going to be such offensive stars that you know and be on the court a lot because of that we'll have to see how they adjust to defense um like you I'm, i'm definitely hoping that they don't wait till january but that might end up being the case just as far as getting fully into their stride. Hopefully they don't start off like 16 and 25 or something like that. But being a little closer to 500 than fans would like is a major possibility, at least based off what we've seen in preseason. So. Yeah, I mean, because the, the, the offense is as potent as ever. I mean, when we picked those guys up in the offseason, that's all I could think about was how much better the offense was going to be especially once they figure out that offense these guys uh, it's just I, we got the num- we had the number one shot distribution in the NBA last year or maybe it was number 2 I don't remember but I mean you've got these intelligent offensively gifted players that are just going to be able to spread the floor I think it was game 4 of the preseason and I mean I, we saw these flashes and just on, not just on defense but on offense where, like how good these guys will be like it, it's there, the groundwork is there, the wheels are churning. It's just a matter of them doing that, and the fact that they've had, you know, up to Wednesday, you know, however many days they're going to do a practice, is good. It's going to bode well, um, and it helps that you've got that core that's already been there with O'Neal, Gobert, Mitchell, um, and Joe Ingles, and when Exum comes back. You know, these guys know how that is. These guys know how to talk to each other. I, it's, it, I don't see it going to January, but yes, that fear is there. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, and, I, go, ahead. go ahead. Uh, well, with the 500, with being at 500 by that point, it's almost imperative that we are because this this schedule, I don't know if anybody's really looked at it, but the schedule is very even keel. There's no like super easy stretch. There's no super hard stretch. It's We've got, you know, a couple of difficult teams and then we'll have some crappy teams and then we'll go back up and it's very equally distributed for the Jazz this season. Um, so, and the West, the way it is, I mean, you you got to get you got to take any win you can get. Yeah, so that 
more so than a lot of last years because last two years the Jazz have gotten away with that and managed to get to the five seed with a strong second half. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in this West, there are ten teams maybe that could that very well almost deserve to make the playoffs when you look at their roster and what they could end up doing this season. And, you know, if the Jazz end up flopping in the middle of the season or, you know, the first half of the season, they may not recover. They'll probably still make the playoffs, but it could end up sending them out in the first round again because maybe they'll be a six or a seven seed because they just couldn't catch up. Because mm-hmm. you can't rely on other teams to just be bad. There's going right. to be so many good teams, and every Western Conference game out, it's going to have playoff implications just based off the fact that, hey, you know, win-loss, and it's going to be so tight at the end of the season, then there's going to be tiebreakers at the end of the season you're going to have to worry about. So there's a lot of things there. But the, the offense is definitely, I think, it's one thing that we're, we can be okay with. Because, again, the, you know, the offensive efficiency was really good. You know, top five in in uh, the NBA uh, among all teams in the preseason. So that's a really nice thing to see. Yeah, if and it's it's scary to think that the offense could get better because there's there's a few holes right now that if they get filled, will make the team even better on offense. Which again should scare a lot of NBA teams. And if the Jazz figure it out on defense, then it's almost game over. Right. So. Yeah, I mean this team. This team can be ex- like scary, like scary good. Um, when I saw the lineup of um, who was it? Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Bojan Bogdanovic, and uh, Rudy Gobert, that 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 could very well be our death lineup. Yeah, definitely. Just because you're looking at you know four elite elite level shooters, or at least pretty close to elite level. Mm-hmm. And at least Donovan's really the only one who might not be an elite shooter at this point. Maybe Mike Conley. Yeah, and then you throw Rudy Gobert into that, one of the best interior guys offensively. You know, not necessarily in a post play, but the way he dominates on offense, both in screens and, you know, there's just so much to that. We could we could probably spend an entire podcast breaking down that lineup and the problem it causes for other teams, assuming that all guys are, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, how do you cover that? How do you do that? Especially with Quinn's uh, offensive system. There's no way of being able to cover that. Someone's going to get open. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at shooting, and then four guys who can run pick and roll as the ball handler, mm-hmm. with Rudy Gobert being one of the top uh, roll men in the league. That that just... it's it's. I think I said this a couple of times in the offseason, maybe on Twitter and other places, like... Quinn Snyder probably goes to bed every night just absolutely giggling to himself like a little schoolgirl, thinking up of different offensive plays that he can use. Uh, yeah. Different things mm-hmm. he can use with the the, the, the tools and weapons at his uh, – um, oh, I forgot the word. At his disposal. That's the that's the final part of that phrase. All the, all the tools in the tool, tool shed? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Again, I'm working myself back into podcasting shape here as the Jazz are working themselves back into basketball shape. Uh, but I do want to talk about a couple of things concerning on the offensive end. And these I think we should be less concerned about, but they're at least worth bringing up. And that's the fact that Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley are not shooting well right now. Boyan, uh, through the preseason was shooting 27% overall, 25% from three. Mike Conley a little better at 35% overall and marginally better at 26.7% from three. 
Uh, any concerns from you on this? Um, slightly. Only because, again, they're coming into a brand new system. Um, but with that said, I mean, I think it was the second game of the preseason. It was after the Adelaide game. I know that. So, yeah, that was game two. Um, the, the offense was just, my goodness, good. It was so good. Watching those guys just play like that, they, they looked free and there was just nothing that they were thinking about. Now, obviously, uh, I can't remember if that was Milwaukee or... Anyways, it was awesome to see. I do worry about it because um, these guys haven't played in a high-altitude environment over and over. So, you know, they're probably still getting their lungs under them in that respect. Um, and there's also... I, I feel like I've talked about this before. That's, there's too much thinking. I think they're 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 thinking about what their next action should be or what the pass or if they should be shooting is, rather than just having this free flowing thing. They're they're too worried about making the right decisions for Quinn Snyder, which is fine. That's what any player is going to do. They're only human, but no, I'm not I'm not too concerned about it because these guys are professionals. They've been playing this game for how long now? They've had so many games under their belt. Bojan Bogdanovic, as concerning as it was to see how tentative. He was in that final game against Portland. I don't, you know, I think even before the game, the shoot around, he was talking about how it's just not there yet. He hadn't played basketball in like five or six months, but that's on you. <laughs> like yeah. you should, you should be staying in shape, bro. But um, I'm not too, I'm not concerned about it because this system will get them theirs every single time out. Yeah, I think that is the thing because we we kind of looked at the these guys coming in. And we thought, well, we have this system with the Jazz where. They had so many wide-open threes, and, and again, there's still theories about why the Jazz got open threes, but I uh, we think we just plugged these guys in who were masters at shooting last year. We figured they would just, you know, plug and go. But yeah, these guys are human. They're susceptible to shooting slumps. Any number of things, a thousand different things can go wrong cause these guys to go into shooting slumps, but I think... Like I said, these guys are professionals, and they have such a history of being good shooters, especially Bogdanovich. Right. guy hasn't shot below 35% in his career, and that was his rookie season. He's been shooting at or near 40% for about two and a half seasons now. So I'm not concerned about Bogdanovich. Mike Conley, I'm always worried because in the back of my head, you know, he's like 31, 32 years old. That age factor is there, and you wonder when he's going to hit that cliff. Um as Max Kellerman might say. But I, I do think that these guys will kind of catch up. It's just going to take some time and work within the system. But you can see how the addition of these guys, I think, has helped out Donovan Mitchell. He's been shooting better. I mean, he's looked pretty well in the in the preseason. I mean, he shot 48% overall, 36, almost 37% from three. So, like, those numbers, I'd take those in the regular season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially if you see Mike Conley and Boyan uh, jump up and start doing well in their respective areas on offense. Like that, you know, that's basically all you want to ask for. You don't think Donovan's going to have to score 25, 27 points per night like he was, I think, towards the end of the season. He was almost getting up in those averages. But th sure, this but... year he doesn't have to score a lot. Yeah, I mean, and that's that security blanket, you know. I mean, now that we've got a prolific shooter, we don't have the defenses clogging the paint anymore. Well, well they still were, actually, in the preseason, now I think of it. 
but um, you know they don't. They have to focus. The defenses are going to have to focus on every single person now. Mike Conley can hit the three. He can lull you to sleep and get inside whenever he wants. Um, and Bogdanovich, I mean, he's going to get that corner three. We're going to see an uptick in corner threes. Like not that we didn't have a massive amount of open corner threes in the past two seasons, but this year is going to be extremely um, uh, pinpoint. I guess I can't think of the right word right now. Um, but yeah, they're going to get a lot more corner threes. Bogdanovich is going to be the recipient of those. Conley's going to be a recipient of those. But yeah, with Donovan having his t- um, time, not just in Team USA, but having that other guidance with Greg Popovich and staying in basketball shape, it's just going to be an added security blanket for us. I, I, Donovan's going to have a great season three. And you know what? Mike Conley, he's going to figure it out. He's been doing the Memphis Grizzlies thing for 12 seasons. That's all he's known his entire career so far. And now he's with a whole new coach, whole new system, all new personnel, and he's never had anyone as prolific next to him like Donovan Mitchell. So he's going to figure it out, no problem. Yeah, so that's the thing. Once, once they figure it out, that's that'll be the thing. And we'll see how the beginning of the regular season goes. It, it might look bad. But we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. We'll have future podcast episodes now that we'll get going. Mm-hmm. But one guy, uh, I guess we can talk about figuring out as well for him since he's a rookie, uh, Mae Oni. At least I think that's how you say his Mie. name. Mie. Mie. Mie Oni. Okay. I'll butcher that again at some point. <laughs> but he's probably the top rookie for the Jazz, which isn't saying a ton considering they didn't have a first-round draft pick this year. Hmm. So, you know, second round picked, I think he was their, either second or their third. They picked Brantley first, didn't they? Oh, I don't know if it really shoot. matters. I don't, I don't know. Draft day was so long ago. I just know that they had the, the, the three guys that they drafted. Uh, but through summer league, preseason, and all that, that the offseason evaluation period for new players, uh, Oni has been... He's been the one to kind of come out on top. Um, you know, he's really impressed coaches. Granted, coaches always seem to be impressed in the in the off season with their rookies. You know, they'll always praise them. They'll always say they have a lot to work on. But but only like you you wonder because he's been getting comparisons to some comparisons to Royce O'Neal. I was one of the people who compared him to that, um, but I'm not the only one. Because he's a guy who you think might be able to come in. He's a versatile guy that Quinn Snyder is hoping to be able to guard multiple positions. You know, guards through potentially some power forwards. And he's a guy who can at least pull his weight on offense. Which is basically the description of Royce O'Neal's early career. So, is there potential for Mie to become that, you know... Diamond in the rough, you find him at the back end of the second round kind of guy who can become a decent rotation player because O'Neal, I mean, he was undrafted and he ended up starting four playoff games at the end of his rookie season. Mm-hmm. Right. Is, is there potential there or do you think fans are just kind of latching on to I mean, and I'm here this self, so you can, this would include me, do you think we're just kind of latching on to a guy who's shown some promise in the preseason but is probably not going to be doing anything? Yeah, I mean, I think there is. Um, I mean, you look at what happened with Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen was kind of that same thing. I know we drafted him, you know, with a high high uh, pick last year, but you know, Quinn Snyder used him when he thought it was appropriate. And you know, I always get. Why are you doing that? 
my phone was like, oh, call Grace and Alan. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> uh, Grace and Alan would like to have a word with you today about. Uh... Um, <laughs> he heard you were about to talk trash about him. Apparently. He's gonna he's he's gonna trip you. Um, but no, I mean. Quinn Snyder, you gotta trust him in what he sees in people because obviously with with the with the cuts that they've made in the recent weeks, I mean we got that kid Kyle Collinsworth, and two days later we cut we cut him. Um, so the fact that Quinn Snyder is believing in his abilities is it speaks it speaks well. I mean the guy can shoot threes. I really haven't seen Mieonia in action very much, so I can't really um, provide any good of like my own uh, observational feedback on that. You know, basically the the only things we can really evaluate from right now is that he's he can be a good three point shooter. I mean, in preseason he shot thirty percent, but not on the greatest amount of volume. I mean, he only, he only played fifty one minutes in preseason. You know, four games. Mm-hmm. So you know, twelve or thirteen games a minute. However much that uh, however much that pans out to. Uh, so it kind of is hard to evaluate, but he's a 3-and-D type player. That's what Royce O'Neal came in as, and Royce has gotten better and better at three-point shooting. I mean, last year he was now in the in the high 30s, I believe. I think in preseason he's he's at 60%, which, again, small sample size there. He's not going to shoot that in the regular season. Sure, yeah. But it is going to be about development with uh, Mie. And, and the thing that's the main difference between Royce O'Neal and uh, Mie is that O'Neal got more opportunities his rookie season. There was a necessity for O'Neal, and, and he stepped in, and I can't remember, I feel like he took somebody's spot. I think he ended up taking um, Tabo's projected spot. Because I think Tabo was kind of supposed to be that 3 and D, and I think O'Neal ended up filling it just because they needed him to. And then he proved himself. Mie, I don't think, is going to get that proving ground opportunity because this roster is very deep. I mean, look at the at the positions that Mie will play. You can see him at either shooting guard or small forward. And, I mean, you got Boyan, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, Donovan Mitchell. Oh, just going down the list here. I mean, four players right there. There's just it, – it's hard to see – Mie finding a way in a Dante Exum's another guy on there. So can he fit into the rotation? Probably not, especially since you know Donovan's going to be playing like 34 minutes a game, which cuts out most of the opportunity there. And then Boyan and Joe Ingles are going to take up about 40, 45 minutes of the small forward minutes. Like, where is the gap for Mie to fill? It's not there, barring injury, which, again, I guess that's what happened with Royce O'Neal. But it's difficult to see. As much as I believe that Mie could be, you know, a quality draft pick from the second round that turns into a quality rotation player, 3 and D guy, you know, expecting him to do anything his rookie season is expecting a little bit too much. Yeah, high expectation for sure, yeah, because I think he'll only see garbage minutes. Yeah, just garbage minutes, and there's probably going to be a few games because inevitably people get injured. You know, somebody rolls an ankle there, something happens there. So he'll probably see spot minutes in a few games, meaningful games, due to, you know, rest here, this, there. But, yeah, as far as consistent meaningful minutes, yeah, I, I, I just – I don't see him getting that. So, yeah, again, outside of garbage minutes, like you said. 
Yeah, because yeah, and then there's a, there's even other guards we got. We we got Nigel Williams Goss, who still hasn't been cut. Uh, did we get rid of Justin Wright Foreman, or we still have him? Um, I want to say he's still on the team. I can't remember. Or is he, he might be a two way. Yeah, and he's then, one of the two way guys with uh, Brantley. Yeah, and then we still got Emmanuel Moutier, who is here specifically for the reason of development. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else do we got? I mean, yeah. And then when Dante comes back, he's gonna probably play anywhere from point all the way to the four. That's a scary thing. Dante Exum playing power four is really weird. It's weird, but, I mean, we've seen what he could do on defense. He yeah, has a smaller body, but... He's apparently added a lot of bulk. I'm really looking forward to those new measurements that should be coming out, I think, on Monday. So, heck, by the time this podcast gets up, the, the height listings might be out. Huh. The new... I don't think they did the weight. They're not doing the weight, so we, we won't know that. Because they figured that fluctuates so much, even the NBA can't try and control that. Right, yeah. Well, they at least we should have done a new one. They should. But we also don't even know, you know, how long we'll even see Dante on the floor. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. We're going to do a, we're going to return to a segment we've done before. Uh, I don't know, maybe should we just go to that? Unless you have anything else you'd like to add on me, Aoni. Oh no, I I really don't. I I, I think I've exhausted my um my entire <laughs> yeah my entire knowledge on Mieone. As good players got praised from the coaches, but again, it's preseason. There are so many preseason superstars. Um, I don't know about preseason superstars. They're more summer league superstars. Yeah. In the NFL, you have preseason superstars. The guys the media latches onto that are like this guy, this guy. And Mieoni might be that guy for uh, the Jazz right now. He could be. I mean, the Jazz are so good at finding those those diamond in the rough type <coughs> players that it wouldn't surprise me. It really wouldn't. Yeah, definitely wouldn't. And I like uh, Jarrell Brantley to be honest. He's a guy that I really like uh, as far as being able to develop into a you know a nice rotational point forward type guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a long way to go though, especially since right now he's he's not the most athletic. He's a below the basket type guy, which. It's hard to be that kind of guy in the NBA these days, but it's possible. Yeah. Especially if he can develop a lot of other skills. For sure. Basically being a diet, you know, Draymond Green archetype. Hmm. All right, so let's move into a segment which we're both pretty sure we did last year at some point. Uh, probably at the beginning of the season, and that's an, an over-under segment. Basically, I went through and I came up with some ideas for some over-unders and things like points, you know, wins, and uh, a couple other categories to see, you know, we'll both give our over and our under. I tried to nail these right on the line where I thought might be a line where I thought it would be a difficult decision for myself, so maybe you'll find them easy. But for me, I thought these might be kind of hard to decide on. So the first, we have points per game. Now, we have three guys that came into this season or that you know stepped into this roster that last year averaged more than 18 points a game. So Boyan Bogdanovich, Mike Conley, and Donovan Mitchell each averaged north of 18 points per game last year. So we're going to do those three as far as an over-under on points. And... I'm doing last-second changes on my over-unders. So here's my over-under for points on Donovan Mitchell. 
and it's uh, 22.5. Hmm. Reasonable. Because he was around that last year. You, I think yeah, he, was, he was around that last year, but again, two scores are stepping onto the team. So he was at 23.8 last year. So if he, if he went under, that would be a decrease. But again, there's, you know, how many touches he's going to get, scoring opportunities, things like that. So 22.5. Should I just do 22.6 to just be, give you the middle finger? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> well, that would be over. Yeah. It's hard to do like the point five and stuff like that because these are scoring averages. So he could average exactly 22.5. Yeah. So um, if, if you can just take the exact on if you want to, <laughs> I'll just go. He's gonna... I'll go. I'll go twenty four. Let's get crazy. Twenty four. Okay, over. All right. I think, I think I'm gonna take the over as well. But ever so slightly. So and that's because I think Donovan's going to make a jump. If he was the same player coming back, I'd say less. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think there's going to be a jump. For sure, for sure. He's he's in better basketball shape than he was coming into last season. He played for Team USA. He was one of the leaders of Team USA. And he, now he's got, I mean, not that he didn't before, but he's got a point guard that's going to be looking for him, and he's going to have a lot more space to operate. He, there's not as much pressure on him to score those points. So who knows? It could be more free-flowing uh, free for him. Yeah. All right, so next player, Mike Conley. 18. And he was at 22. He was at like 22.1 last year, right? Yeah, he was he was in the low 20s. Low 20s. Yeah, I would I you know what? I would even I would even stay right there with you cuz yeah, I he's not going to be a, he's not going to be the number one option anymore. Yeah. So is that over or under? Over or under 18. Over or under 18? Yeah. Slightly over, slightly under. I'm going to go actually slightly under, to be honest. I'll go slightly over. 18.5. Okay. <laughs> so I should, should actually write these down. So I'm going under. I can't even Trey's remember what the results over. were that we had last year. I don't even remember this last year. That Could bad? look it up, but uh, I'm not going to bother. <laughs> go back through the, go back through the uh, library. Yeah, it's there if y'all want to listen to our podcast for two years. We're coming up in episode 50. Heck, to be honest, this might be episode 50. It might be 49. I think this is 49. We're thinking about doing... What? I think this is 49. Yeah, well, let's see if we can do something special for episode 50. Assuming this isn't it. <laughs> if it is, then happy 50th. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> All right, so the last one, Boyan Bogdanovich. 16. What was his scoring total last year? I think it was 18. Let me, I'll, I'll give you an official one. It was, it was 18 on the dot. You're going to say 16? I'm going to go over and say nine. Let's keep him right where he was. 18. 18? So I think I might go slightly under two. And... Not just because of Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, but because Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, and so many guys behind him, I think, for me, that because we look at points per game, we think maybe all these guys will score 20 points, but I don't think that'll be the case. But 
their effect will be almost as the same as a 20-point-per-game score. Because obviously you're not going to have three 29 guys unless you're the you know last year's Golden State Warriors. Oh, sure, yes. That's scoring by community type deal. But I will say this, though. Um, I highly doubt that we will see Boyan and Joe on the floor at the same time all that often. So I think there's going to be still plenty of uh, point opportunities for Boyan than we really yeah. think there will be. Because, I mean, like we mentioned earlier, Quinn's going to have all different types of rotations and you know people he can plug in here and there situationally or you know whichever. There's going to be always an ample amount of time or ample amounts of time for him to score. Yeah. And I, I could definitely be wrong on this. He could definitely score above that, but I, it's just, you know, it's it's an opportunity thing because his impact will be huge. I am stoked to see Boyan play really well this season. But he scored 18 as a near number one option. But I think in his time as like a number one option, he was actually over 20 points per game. But I think the fact that he's a third option, there's, there's just so many factors going into this sure. that I'm going to say his, his average will not speak to his impact. Sure. And, and that's something I want to emphasize is that he will be one of the most important offensive players and he'll have those 30 point nights and heck maybe he'll go off for 41 night randomly or something like that. Um, but his average will not speak to his impact in my opinion. Sure. I mean, he's he's going to be our Jeff Hornacek this year, honestly. Yeah. Write that down so we can grade these later and laugh at how each other was wrong or something like that. <laughs> Where both of us. All right, so here's here's our first interesting category. I just, off the top of my head, total games played this season by Dante Exum. Oh. <laughs> and I, I, I put the over, um, I put it at 60. I'll do 60.5 since this one can actually be just so we don't, uh, just so we can have an actual over under. So you think he'll play more than, so you think he'll play 61 games or more, or 60 or fewer games? Does it's it... a bit of a cynical category, <laughs> but it's one that feels appropriate. It really is. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't until Dante stays healthy, go over <laughs> on that. I can't do it, man. I would even say that we see him for 40, if we're lucky. Like, <laughs> so he's I, played, he's, he's, so I'll, I'll give you some info. He's played 60-plus games in his career twice <laughs> out of five total seasons. One of them he missed completely. He played 14 another, 42 last year. But I'm with you. I'm going under. Yeah, man. I tried to I, think I, I like... I can't. <laughs> Maybe I should have put it lower, like 50 or something. <laughs> uh, but that's... I, I would select... Something inside of me says he's going to play more than 60, but... It's the same optimism that I had in the year that he played 14 and the year that he played 42. Just like, the guy's made a glass, it feels like. Oh, for real. I, I, I There was that whole drama uh, that uh, local media was doing on Twitter about uh, that, him doing two-on-twos. He, he fell down. I think it was Mieone was guarding him or something. And yeah. he went down in like a two, 2v2 contact. He went down and he threw a temper tantrum and walked off the floor. And it's like, okay, I mean, I get, I get that you're trying to re- rehabilitate and you want to protect some things, but at this point, like, if he hasn't figured out how to properly fall without getting hurt or the chance of getting hurt, 
I just I I we're, we're talking about this every single year, God damn. But I, honestly, like if if Dante doesn't play more than forty games this year, why do we keep him? I want uh, I want are, nothing are we, more than for Dante to be successful. I really do. I like he's he's a likable guy. You you want to cheer for him, but like we've I said I've said this how like this will be the third time third year in a row like when does he that liability that we have always seen up to this point to just get rid of him yeah. I don't want that it, to happen but it might be it might happen I think we're running on his second or third consecutive this is it for Dante Exum years right you know. I mean if if I was if I was in Justin Zanuck Justin Zanuck's position and we were like, well, let's keep let's keep Dante for another year. I'd be like, are we sure that we want to do that? Like, do we really believe in him that much? I, 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 there's a reason I'm not in charge of it, obviously. But I would just be like, okay, well, who do, who can we get that can you know be as good defensively as Dante Exum? There's probably not that many players that could fill that void. But man, you open at a least, can of worms. At least that person would be on the court. Exactly. But, yeah, I think we're both rooting for Don Exum, but we're definitely in a believe-it-when-we-see-it type of mindset here. Yep. All right, so let's move on to the other one, the next one, I should say. Uh, this is a bit more generic, so uh, maybe I should look up the Las Vegas one because I just came up with my own over-under. It's for wins by the Utah Jazz. And my over-under might be a little optimistic, but... I'm just buying time so I can look up the Las Vegas win total, to be perfectly honest. Um, I put mine at 52.5. Hmm. Let's see where... Oh, wow. Vegas has the Jazz way down low, I think. Wait, no. Well, I definitely scrolled past them. Oh, Vegas has it higher than I did. That's actually surprising. Vegas has it at 53.5. So let's go with that one. Okay. So over under win totals, fifty three point five. And this one's a tough for me. I mean, at fifty two, it's it's there's so much that can go into <clears throat> into a win total that you don't necessarily think of preseason. Because mm-hmm. you think, well, half of those Warriors teams could have gone, you know, win seventy games. But it takes a special set of circumstances, a special amount of health, and heaven knows how many different things to win a certain amount of games. So I'm going to be honest. This is really hard. I I want to pick the under. That's the thing. I'm leaning towards the under, and not because I think the Jazz are worse or haven't gotten better. There's just, again, it comes back to the competition in the West. Yep. You don't win more games when there are so many good teams. Yep. So that's what has me leaning under. In fact, I'll probably go there. They'll probably win 53 games. That's the thing. That's how close this could be. They could win 53. If they get lucky, they could win 58. They could come dang near 60 if everything gels well. See, so yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with the under. <clears throat> what do you think? Yeah, I got to go under two because, yeah, like you said, the the West is far more competitive. 
than it has any right to be. I honestly think that the East should just have their own battle and do their thing, and then the the finals should just be between who can survive the West. Um, As I feel like the Western Conference Finals might be the NBA Finals. Oh, like. for sure. Um, I mean, it's going to be a grudge match throughout the season between the Western Conference team, the playoffs, all the way to the finals. It's just going to be, uh, it's going to be fun to watch. But with that said, I mean, we didn't even think with the way that the la- that last season went that we'd hit fifty, and we got what did we get fifty two? I think we hit fifty, didn't we? I think just yeah, 50? I think it was just at fifty. So I'm I'm honestly I'm gonna go yeah I'm gonna go under I'm gonna say we win 50, 50 games. Yeah, they hit hit right on the top fifty last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna stick right there. Okay. All right, let's go to the, so we're both on the under there. We'll go to Utah's playoff seating. So where assuming they make the playoffs and win, you know, the fifty odd games, where will their seating be? I put the over under at three point five. So a top three seed or below? Uh, top Depending three, yeah. Think. I would even go out on a limb and say they're number two. I'm going to, because I've, I've been listening to podcast after podcast this season, and I know that, you know, it's a lot of hearsay and, you know, expectation and things that, I mean, it's unknown. We don't really know. But, you know, a lot of places are choosing the Jazz to be number two and getting that home court advantage into the playoffs. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over. As a two point five to make it think you think they get the number two seed or the number three seed. But Yeah. Do I call that over or under? I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm gonna have to make Just another call note. It even. <laughs> Well, because it says over, but like normally the number you go over, if but the way you know three point five seed, if the number goes over, technically it's lower. So it's a weird, it's a weird conundrum with how I have to word the fact that we're both over. On mm. a, on an over under that's three point five, because technically we're going lower, but it's also higher, you know. It's a, uh, what's the word, paradox. Yeah. Oh. Kind of. <laughs> More of a contradiction than a paradox. <laughs> laughing in my attempt at vocabulary. No, I, I'm just I'm just laughing at the like just the complexity that I am so happy I don't have to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because one thing I kind of mentioned is like, who would be the teams that could contend with the Jazz for being a top two or top three seed? Um, because I know people say the Lakers, and I don't. I'm not buying the Lakers. Maybe I'm it's not, the Laker hate mm-hmm. bleeding through, but I just don't buy it. Because you have the Clippers are probably the favorite to be the number one seed, and that that's obviously very understandable. Um, so the 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 main contenders here, you're looking at the Clippers, who, coincidentally enough, they're two and three in the preseason. Granted, do they even play their main guys? I I I. I think Doc sad. Rivers approaches the preseason the same way Quinn Snyder does. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to get the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Nuggets, and maybe the Rockets. I'm not buying the Rockets. I'm it's Russell Westbrook and James Harden almost feels like a disaster waiting to happen. Or at least we're, we're, we're going to see a ton of graphics this year about uh, how many teams have had 
two players get a triple-double in the same game. So we're going to have like four or five of those this year. And oh, we won't hear no. the end of it. Oh, no. You know the what? Era... I, hope the, I hope the headline we hear is that um, James Harden broke his leg because he was trying his one-legged step-back three-pointer. I'm just going to get a kick out of that. I hope he breaks that every single time. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, the, the, the era of the obsession with triple-doubles is not over. No. Because it is alive and well with the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Now, there's a whole other can of worms with Houston Rockets. I don't know. I mean, he, let's be honest. We'll talk we about that later. Yeah, we, we can't <laughs> sleep on Houston, to be fair. Uh, we really can't. Yeah, cannot. not completely. No. Because they've, they've got good pieces, but it feels like they're just like... It's like the slow decline. It's like the Ottoman Empire. Like, really good at one point, but just ever so slowly dying. Hmm. Just dropped a history lesson in there for y'all. Wow. The Ottoman Empire. Look it up. <laughs> it's a story. No, it is. It is for sure. <sighs> the old man, the old sick man of Europe, I think. There's so, sick man of Europe, I think, is what they called it. The Ottoman Empire, because it was still around in World War One. Yeah, that's the yeah. funny thing. You think of the Ottoman Empire as like this 10th century type thing, but no, no, no. They they survived to the 20th century. All right, let's go on to our next category now that we've finished talking about uh, Ottomans. So this is an interesting one. Uh, I had to really debate with myself whether where to put this line. So number of All-Stars the Jazz have on their team, 1.5. So it could be 0, 1, or 2. It's not going to be any more than 2. So it's whether or not you think Donovan and Rudy Gobert can make the All-Star team, or one or none of them. Yes. Is that not Just an answer? Just all of that. <laughs> That's not an answer. It's not over or under, so I'm not going to accept it. Uh, no, I say over. We get two. Okay. Yeah, I, I had to think about this, and I... Because uh, I want to say that Donovan and Rudy can. They can. But I also and I like... think and, and I think circumstances are more in their favor because they're they're going to be a good team. Mm-hmm. That always helps. They're going to be a good team, but also remember this: there was just about I don't know how the split would be, but there were plenty of people that were, um, and David Locke was of the most vocal of his defenders was the fact that Rudy was not selected last year and Corey Anthony Towns went and he had the worst, uh, he had the worst season up to that point. Well, LaMarcus Aldridge was the one that didn't make the most sense to me. Oh, Carl yeah, Towns, yeah, sure. Yeah. But like there, so there's two guys, at least Gobert should have made it over. So I think he'll make it this year. Yeah. And j- only for that reason alone too. Yeah. It's kind of like when Deandre Jordan made it that one year. Is like he hadn't, so let's put him on there because he had a he'd had a pretty good you know five or six year stretch to that point. He'd kind of earned it. And I think that was the first one that Rudy Gobert missed, is because DeAndre Jordan made it over him on almost a legacy type pick. Oh yeah, and he was like planning a vacation too. He Jordan didn't think, was. Yeah, he he didn't think he was going to go to the <laughs> All Star game, so he was planning a vacation with his family, and then he got told that he's getting he's in the All Star game, so he had to cancel all of his plans. <laughs> So I, I think I'm gonna go with the under on here. I think Rudy Gobert is gonna make it. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell, we'll see. I think the some things cleared up for him because I think Clay Thompson, you know, his injury opens up a bit of a door, 
And I don't think D'Angelo Russell's going to fill that in the same way Donovan Mitchell can fill in for that. And, you know, because he's poised for a jump into more public stardom, being on a good team, you know, good offensive team, you know, more highlights, things like that. And, you know, mm-hmm. just obviously getting better. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we'll see Rudy, but I'll, uh, I'll hope and pray for Donovan Mitchell, but I don't think we'll see that. So, all right. So... I went under, you went over. Alright, so to review this. So points per game, Donovan Mitchell 22.5. We both picked a, an over, which I was actually surprised. I was thinking I was going to end up picking the under, but I convinced myself to be over on that. Mike Conley, 18.0 points. I went under, you went over. Uh, Boyan at 16. I went under, you went over. Games played by Dante Exum, 60.5. We both picked under pretty easily, at least <laughs> easily in our minds. Well, confident in our decisions, not easy in the fact that we are kicking Dante Exum while he's probably still down. Uh, wins by the Jazz, 53.5. We both picked under. Utah's playoff seeding at 3.5. We both picked the over or the under. I don't know, whatever you want to call that. We th- both think they're going to be a top three seed at least. With All-Stars at 1.5, I went under, you went over. All right. Yes. There's that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now you can say yes. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's... It's finally here. It is. <laughs> that's about all I can say at this point. After all that talk, it, it's finally here. Probably the most anticipated season of Utah Jazz basketball and my life at least my the lifetime of my fandom um I can't say in my life because it was technically alive for both finals appearances just way too young to remember yeah I did not care because I was like three and four at that point yeah like four and five or something like that way too young to care about basketball at that point um and then I didn't really start becoming a really close jazz fan until like 2010 right at the end of the Jerry Sloan era so not the greatest time to be to really follow the jazz more. Yeah, not not really. But good yeah. for you for you know sticking through that hard and dark time. Yeah, that yeah that's one that's a good way to describe it, the dark time. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean I said the the I think it was either last year or the year before was I think it was last year I said it was most anticipated I said pretty much the exact same thing. Well, it's true again this year. I don't know last year didn't turn out well, but in hindsight I probably should have seen that coming. Yeah. Uh, this year I've got more reason to be excited. I feel like more legitimate reason to be excited. And we'll see how it goes. But thanks everyone so much for listening. This is again Jason Walker, Trey Sanders. We'll talk to you next week. Yes. Yeah.